thing, I'll ruin it. So you know how that goes. <laughs> no, you Thank you, Freeze. You, you should be singing a special. I heard him singing up here. Oh, yeah. My word. You have a great voice. No, I don't either. <laughs> My wife said the only place you're allowed to sing is in the shower. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, well, it's been a delight to be here. And I thank you folks for your kind hospitality. And I really mean that. I, I, uh, I felt a welcome from the moment I came in this morning and again tonight. And wonderful to see uh, uh, Bob and Lane tonight, Sharp. I got to know them a long time ago, and they pastored in Crane. And, and I was reminded today by your pastor the number of men of God that have pastored that are in this church. Isn't that a great thing? Men that serve God, and I love to see that. They're faithful unto the Lord. And I'm really glad you've come out tonight. On a cold, snowy night, you could have stayed home. I appreciate you coming out. Keep your Bible open to Second Timothy, excuse me, Second Corinthians there where you were, chapter 12. And if you've got one of them little uh, ribbons, uh, go back to Galatians 6, if you will, because I want you later on to <clears throat> follow me a little bit back, just a couple of verses there. But <clears throat> I guess I'm, uh, I always felt like I, maybe I'm a little different kind of a preacher. I don't know. I, I don't know what a preacher is, really. But um, after I give you a little introduction to what I want to talk about tonight, you'll maybe kind of figure out how my mind works a little bit, because uh, I always am asking God to, to give me something fresh, something from the Word of God that He wants me to learn, and then <clears throat> maybe become a message. I have a little habit, and it's been a few years now, in the morning I read a psalm, I read a proverb, and then I read in the New Testament. Now, one morning I woke up, and it was my, I read the psalm, and I read through uh, a proverb, and, and then I always ask God when I come to the New Testament to give me a word for the day, or a thought for the day. So wherever I am, I don't just start reading a chapter or five chapters. I just read till God stops me. And then when God stops me, I know there's a thought clearly or a, a verse or a word that God wants me to think on all day. <clears throat> it's amazing to me how God has used that through the course of days. When I wondered why did he give me that, and I found out by the afternoon why. <clears throat> so I'm reading this morning. And I'm in 2 Corinthians 12. We've all read this account many, many times, I'm sure, if you've been saved any length of time. I'm reading along, and I come to verse 7, and God stops me on one word, thorn. And I knew the Holy Spirit said thorn. So I stopped. That's the end of it. That's where God stopped me, thorn. So I said, Lord, you want me to think on thorns today? You would think on thorns, sticky, they hurt, um, thorns, thorns. Uh, and so I, I knew, God, somehow in the day, I need to meditate on that word. This is what you've given me today, and I'll do that. So I went about the busyness of my day. I happened to be in. I was at my house. That evening, uh, I went out onto my patio and had a glass of iced tea and was just sitting down, enjoying the just the beauty of the evening. I love to be outside. And I was sitting there just by myself, and I said to myself, it's time, thorn, thorn. 
Let me think on thorns, thorns. And, and the normal things, I want you to just kind of imagine your own mind, you know, how it works. It's just thorn. What's a thorn? Well, I know what a thorn is. And, and what are you saying here? And okay, Paul had a thorn. What's a thorn? What are his thorn was? Thorns, thorns. Okay. And if so I'm thinking, God brought me to my mind a man by the name of Dan Freeman, who is a missionary to Taiwan. I'm not sure if any of you know Dan. He's been over there many, many years. And um, don't ask me why. I'm, I'm just telling you my mind tonight, okay? So you'll understand how I put things together. So I'm thinking thorns, and all of a sudden my mind goes back to Dan Freeman for some reason. Now, I had never met Dan, but I've heard a lot about Dan. We have, every September, a Southeast Asia prayer conference. I'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow night and other times. God is using it in an unbelievable way. But... <clears throat> About a year or so ago, Brother Dan showed up. I was glad to meet Brother Dan because I'd, I'd heard about Dan Freeman, but I didn't know him. Got acquainted with him, and just a congenial, kind man. Just, it just You could sense the love of God and just the down-earthness of him, and uh, I liked him from the beginning. He didn't, he didn't get involved in trying to be boisterous. He just sat around with, a, we had about 20 men from different parts of Asia. And we just, uh, I can't go into all we do, but we do a lot of praying, a lot of talking. And um, we always, we stay there from a, a Tuesday night to a Friday morning. And so, obviously we have to eat, so we have a place where we can eat. And uh, when we eat, we have different tables, and we just kind of break up and fellowship with different ones so we can all get acquainted with different guys from different parts of the world and what have you. And I had got to sit across from Dan for a little while and, and uh, talk to him about his life. Uh, he's, he's about my age, maybe a little bit older, and, and we had a lot of reminiscing, and we did a lot of talking, and it was very congenial. Well, probably the next day, I don't know where it was, uh, he was at another table. Uh, visiting with some other preachers and missionaries. And I was just sitting with one man that day at the end of a table. And the subject come up about Brother, I, Brother Freeman, Freeman being there. And I said, man, it's really glad to have met Brother Freeman. I've heard of him and uh, know he's been a longtime missionary in Taiwan and Hong Kong, that part of the world. And, uh, and the preacher looked up and he said, now, Brother Elliot, I don't know if you know this or not, but you know Dan Freeman has four-stage bone cancer, don't you? And I said, no. Are you serious? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I know you can't see this. Is this what I'm going to tell you? The man is in terrific pain. He can't hardly move, but what he just grimaces. I said, I would have never known. He said, no, you wouldn't. Because nothing comes out of him but a smile and a joy. But he said he, he, he's on all kinds of treatments for it. But he said, we who can see watching when he sits, he just grimaces with pain all of a sudden. And then he just relaxes and, and he sits there for a while. And when he gets up, he can barely move. Of course, not seeing. I didn't know that. All I knew, Dan, was just such a sweet, sweet man. So now I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking thorns. I wonder what Paul's thorn was, what a thorn is. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And then I thought Dan had a thorn in the flesh too. I think if you have four-stage bone cancer and you're in pain every day, you got a thorn in the flesh. you got a problem. And I think thought thorn in the flesh. And I thought, 
Okay, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Dan had a thorn in the flesh. Thorns, thorns. And then as I sat there and thought about it, I begin to think about roses. Now, that's my mind, okay, folks? And I'm going from Dan Freeman to roses to thorns, and all these things are going through my mind. And now I'm thinking of my wife, who had died of cancer. And I thought the way she died in, the, in grace beyond what you can imagine. A smile on her face. Thorn, thorns, thorns. Fragrances, thorns. And I thought about roses because of my wife. She loved roses. I told you this morning, I often bought my wife roses and sent them to her when I couldn't, she couldn't be with me. And we loved roses, and uh, we tried to grow them. We weren't very good at growing them, but we loved them. And I fell in love with roses. And so now I'm thinking roses, Dan Freeman, Virginia Elliott, Paul Thorne, Thorne of the Flesh. And then I begin to think about the rose. And as I thought about the rose, my first thought was about the beauty of its smell, the fragrance that lofts out of a rose. I don't know if there's any, for me, any more beautiful smell. And then I begin to think about the rose itself. The, the rose has a stem. The stem goes down. The stem gets to the roots. The roots are in the ground. It takes out the water and whatever nutrients. And then I remember the a rose had a thorn on its. And I thought, that's interesting. And now I'm thinking all these things, and it seems like God is trying to speak to my heart. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand this. I'm thinking roses. I'm thinking a rose has a stem, a rose has a thorn. Now, I'm not a horticulturist, okay? Some of you that are can correct me. But God doesn't make any mistakes. And when God made a rose, he knew it needed a stem. And God put a thorn on that rose. I don't know why. Maybe it's protection. I don't know what it is. But all of a sudden, it seemed like God made sense to me. Charles, that thorn is helping that rose bear a sweet fragrance. And then it made sense. It was the thorn in Dan's flesh that he chose to allow to bear a sweet fragrance. I want to talk to you about that tonight a little bit. Let your thorn bear a sweet fragrance. We live in a day and age where everybody is moaning about all their problems. Poor me. Oh, this and all that. If you read the Apostle Paul, he had a thorn. We could discuss forever, I think, is his eyes. But whatever it was, you, you and I, most of the New Testament was written by him. And every time we pick it up, there's a sweet fragrance comes out of the Apostle Paul's life. And yet he bore, evidently, a major thorn in his flesh. Such a thorn that he asked God three times. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't no Methodist praying. I think when he called out to God three times, he, he was on his face before God, take this thing away. And God said, I'm not taking it away. And yet out of the Apostle Paul's life came a tremendous fragrance of the glory and the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Do you have a problem tonight? Do you have a thorn in your flesh tonight? In the Bible, it's called trouble sometimes. Job 14 and verse 1 said, Man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. If you haven't experienced trouble, hang on, Lucy, you're going to have it. It's going to come. Paul called it a burden. We'll see that in Galatians. But he also called it a thorn. Whatever it is, whether you call it a burden or whether you call it a thorn or you call it trouble, there's nobody that goes through this life that doesn't have it. And when you and I get saved, that doesn't make us immune from us. We don't get saved and we're inoculated and we don't have any more trouble. And I'm sure that everywhere I go, I'm running into people that if I could hear their story, they could tell me. And it might be anywhere from a marital problem, a financial problem. It could be a, a physical problem, an emotional problem, a mental problem. I don't know what. But God would tell us through the Apostle Paul's life, let your thorn bear sweet fragrance. Because there's a choice as what it's going to, to emit out of your life. Out of all of our lives. I still think of Dan Freeman. <clears throat> I found out by the end of the week I could talk to him about the four stage cancer. He's tried every treatment there is in the world. They've not been able to do anything. He's still living. But in tremendous pain. And yet the sweetness of Christ is everywhere around Dan Freeman. Let me talk to you a little bit tonight about thorns. And we'll use the word thorns because that is exactly what Paul used in 2 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> Can I tell you tonight, and we don't want to hear this, but some of our thorns are ordained of God. God wants you to have them. We don't want to hear that. We're in an age where we're, we're taught that we're supposed to get rid of every pain there is. We're supposed to take a pill for everything. We're supposed to get rid of every headache we've got. We've got all kinds of things telling us in the world today that we're not supposed to have any problem. Now we've got people on TV, they're what, what they call themselves preachers. They're in this wellness doctrine that nobody's supposed to be sick. That is not true. That is not of God. And don't let any of those guys tell you that is. The Apostle Paul had a thorn and God said, you're going to have it, dude. I have ordained that in your life. You're going to pray and you're going to beg God and that's okay. Take this thing away and you're going to pray and he's not going to do it. And he's going to say, no, I've allowed that in your life. And you're going to live with that. Sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? You can look at me and see I can't see. Nobody wants to be blind. <clears throat> I found out, anyway, it's a long story, and I'm not going to bore you with the whole story, but I tried to do what the Bible said to do. I asked God to, to heal me, and he didn't do it. I called for my pastor and the elders of the church, according to James 5, and to anoint me with oil and, and pray that God would heal me. 
and he didn't do it. So <clears throat> now I am in evangelism, traveling with a brittle diabetic wife, wondering how does this all fit together? How does this make any sense? But I don't know what to do. I'm not sure what to do. And I would go from church to church, and not every church, okay, but many churches when I would preach, there was somebody that seemed to have a cure for my eyes. They would say, now, Brother Elliot, if, if you'll see this doctor, I'm telling you, the best one in the world. Well, I've been to the doctor in the world, you know. And, or, or if you'll take these vitamins, and we just happen to sell them, and if you, and if you uh, but I promise you, take them 12 weeks, you'll be able to see again, you know. And, and now, folks, I hope this doesn't sound wrong. I got so tired of that. Every time I come in, I almost dread think, oh, I'm going to Texas. I don't want to hear it, God. I don't want to hear it. And sometime in the week, some, and, and they mean well. Please don't get me wrong. They meant well. They, they wanted to help me. And I got so tired of it. Now I don't know what to do. I'm frustrated. And so I went to Fiji to preach, and I was going to be with a man named Corey Mears. And I uh, preached a week. We went from Sunday to Friday, and uh, he asked me in the middle of the week, he said, Brother Elliot, would you, would you give your testimony and preach at our chapel? He had a pretty good-sized Christian school. He said, and if you would, just talk about your eyes, because he said a lot of our young people watched you from Sunday through Wednesday, and the chapel was on Thursday morning. And he said, I know they have a ton of questions about your eyes. How did you lose it? What happened? What's going on? And so I got up, and I <clears throat> gave my testimony and told him about my eyes and, and um, told him it was okay and God was good, and I went through all that year. So after the chapel service, Brother Mears said to me, Brother Elliot, he said uh, if you don't mind, we'll go out to the office. I've got a counsel for about 15 minutes with a student. And if you'll just sit in the outer office, as soon as I'm through, you and I'll go to lunch. So everybody, the kids were all dismissed to go back to their classes. <clears throat> so I'm sitting in this outer office. Can't see a thing. But it's amazing as a blind person how you can sense if somebody's near you. You just know. And so I was saying, I thought somebody's in this room. Now, I knew it wasn't the preacher because I knew he was in his office. And so I'm th there thinking, somebody's in this room. And so I just sat there for a while and didn't say a word. And finally, I just felt I needed to. And I said, is somebody here? And a girl probably 14, I'm guessing 13, 14 years old, said, uh, yes. And I said, uh, okay. And she said, Mr. Elliot, I'm really sorry you're blind. And I said, "Hun, that's sweet of you. And I said, I'll be fine. She said, no, I'm really sorry. And I said, "Hun, I thank you for that. That's kind that you would come and tell me that. And she said, and, and Mr. Elliot, if you come over to my house tonight, my mama will heal you. So I said, honey, where do you go to church? I already knew where she went to church. I knew what she was. And I said, uh, <clears throat> no, I'm not interested. I said, I'm not into faith healers. And, uh, I, but I appreciate your kindness. 
And I know you mean well, but, hon, you probably ought to get back to class. And so she went. Brother Mears took me to dinner. We went back to the room. I had a couple hours to get ready for the evening service. I built down by my bed, and I said, God, I'm so sick of this. I can't take any more of this. I don't know what you're going to do or not do, God, but I can't keep this up. I'm tired of this. I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm just human enough. I'm weary of this. Well, I couldn't stand around and mope around about it, so I just went and got ready and got my thoughts together and had time of prayer about the message that I felt God was leading me into that night and went to preach and come back and come into my hotel room. And I'll never forget this. I came back in and I took my tie off and my coat and I threw it on the bed and I fell down by my bed. There was a chair there and that's what I'd made a little altar. And I said, God, I, I literally, I'm just tired of this. I'm just frustrated. I said, I've asked you about my eyes. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next step is. I'm tired of everybody's got an answer. I said, I just don't know what to do. And I was so tired, I just fell in bed and fell asleep. Woke up early the next morning, and I just fell out like I usually do and just knelt on my knees at that chair in quiet prayer. My normal course then is to go to a psalm. So I have a little electronic King James Bible. It's got a little earphone. And that's the way I have to listen. So I just, it's got an it's got. It's, you can go wherever you want to. And I had it set right where I was going to be. I was in the 119th Psalm. I don't know if you know, but the 119th Psalm is divided up on all these little sections. And I'm taking one every morning, just one section. So I'm in the section of Psalm 119 and verse 75. Now I'm on my knees. I'm listening to this, this thing. And I'm saying, God, just help me this morning. I want to honor you. I want to hear from you. And this is what the verse said. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. And I knew that very minute that God sped to my heart, you will never see this side of heaven. Don't ever ask me again. This is my design for your life. The rest of your life you will never see this side of heaven. I have a book out now, and that's the title of it, This Side of Heaven. It tells that story. Can I tell you, that was one of the greatest days of my life. You don't believe that, but the peace of God came over me like you couldn't have. I like I was a brand new creation in Christ. A joy came over me. I had tears of joy. And I knew from that time on that this was ordained of God. And this is what God wanted in my life. Now, folks, this doctrine that's out here that's telling us that everything you've got wrong is because of sin in your life is not true. It, there can be problems. But we're living in an age where everything is messed up from the Bible. And I'm telling you, from time to time, we've got to come to grips with the fact that there may be some things in your life that God wants you to have. I'm convinced that there's times God wants us to be lonely. Jesus was lonely. We don't like that, do we? But God ordains that sometimes. God wants us to feel rejection every once in a while. He felt it. 
And we don't like that, so we want to avoid any of that kind of stuff. But when it comes, then we whine about it, and we don't like it because it happened to our lives. It could be a lot of different things in our lives. But as God brings burdens and troubles and thorns into our lives, sometimes they're ordained of God. And you'll pray, and you'll get the same answer, no. Now, they vary, don't they? Paul had a thorn, perhaps eyes. Jacob had a limp. He threw his whole hip system out wrestling with God. And I'm sure Jacob would, would have loved to be able to say, I don't like this pain that I'm bearing all the time in my, in my hip and everywhere I walk. But you know that he had the limp until he went to heaven? Moses had a speech impediment. Can you imagine leading all those million people and can't talk very well? I mean, that'd be frustrating, wouldn't it? I wonder how many times he asked God to take that thing away from him. I know if you read, you read Genesis 12, he, 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 he tried to get out of it. Joseph was sold by his family into slavery and then misunderstood by Potiphar because of his wife, thrown into prison. I'd call that a thorn in the flesh. But do you realize that Joseph would have never been the man he is if he'd not experienced that? He would have never been there. But here's the thing. Out of that can either be admitted a sweet fragrance of the wonder of Jesus or a bitter spirit. I was asked to go up to the Monadnock Mountains in, in North, Car- uh, North um, New Hampshire and be in a blind camp before I went blind. The Christian Association for the Blind, not a Baptist organization, but I'm glad I went. Because I got to go up there as a sighted man, didn't have the best sight, but I still had sight. And I learned how to guide people around, and I observed blind people. And I noticed that some of the people were just gritting their teeth all day long. They hated God. Everything were mad at the world because they blind and they can't see. And there's another group sitting over playing Scrabble. Laugh it. We got back down. We took a bus up and then we took a bus back down to Newark, New Jersey to a Catholic center, and then we're dispersing and going to airlines, all kinds of things. So I get off the, the bus. I still can see. Everybody else is having a hard time because they can't see. And, and I notice that standing over to the side is an old man. He must have been really close to 90 years old. He was just kind of shaken. Well, I could see that. So I just walked over and said, sir, could I be a help you? And he said, I don't know where the building is. And I said, sir, I'll be glad to take you over there. And... Uh, so it was a little bit of a walk, and he needed to get over to sections where he's going to get with some other people. So I was sort of walking along there. I debated whether to ask him or not, but it was just us two, and I could see no one was around. And so he was following my elbow, and we were walking along, and I said, sir, can I ask you a question? And he said, what's that? And I said, how long have you been blind? And folks, from the pulpit, I can't tell you what he said. He said, 
62 blank, blank years, and I'm telling you, 62 minutes are too long. And man, I stood there, and my first thought was, I can't wait to get away from this guy. And can I tell you, it wasn't a sweet rose smell come out of that. Nothing but bitter anger, disgust. That was his choice. How many of you know a man by the name of John Bishop? If you know his story, but viral meningitis, (laughs) doesn't even know who he is, lost his speech. His wife puts music by his head, soft Christian music, puts the King James Bible on tape by his head. John starts to come out of it. He can't speak except like a child. I know John because he's caused me. You know what he has now? Now he's blind. I remember when he called and asked me about it. But you know what John did? When he came, though he didn't even know who his wife was, he called her Maidana. Could barely speak. He started putting cassette tapes out, don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at God. And he took a thorn that was deep in his flesh and turned it into a ministry. And he would go to churches and people would just flock as John would get up and talk like you. Some of you have heard him. And Gary's testimony, don't get mad at God. God is all good. And he lives in pain. It's just a matter of whether we can allow that thorn to bear a sweet fragrance. Because we live around people, don't we? Some thorns are opportunities. If you look in Galatians, you'll see in Galatians 6.2, it says, bear you one another's burdens. You know, there are some thorns we're to seek after. There are some thorns in life we're to go looking for. They're in somebody else's life. That's why we're on this earth. Jesus went to where the people were hurting. Jesus went out to help somebody that had a thorn so they could bear sweet fragrance. We're to seek him out. I'm convinced that God allows these things to go along in life. We call problems in people's lives so that somebody will come along the side and help somebody. You know how many parents now are, are single parents? And their children are being grown, are grown up without a daddy or mama? About how many of us ever take time to realize that little boy or girl has a thorn? And we're not even willing to go out and try to help them. There are people sitting tonight in a nursing home in a wheelchair, hadn't talked to anybody for three days. They hurt. They're tired of being inside. They can't get out of the wheelchair. And I wonder if that thorn doesn't take them down. And they just love somebody to come by and say, I was thinking about you today and brought you some candy bars and 
just kind of come up and talk to you for a while and pray with you and we'll sing a song together. People lay in the hospitals with real thorns in their flesh. You say, preacher, I don't have any thorns. Good. But there's a lot of people who do. Well, I don't know where they are. <clears throat> Might just look around this building. It wouldn't take long. It might just look around Nixa real good and you'll probably find somebody that just needs us to side up to him and help him with a thorn to bear a sweet fragrance. Last time my wife went to Sri Lanka with me, <clears throat> for the second time she ended up in the hospital, I thought I was going to lose her. She shouldn't have gone. I... <clears throat> I really was probably partly at fault. God said we were to know our wives, and I knew she probably shouldn't go, but she wanted to go. She lays up in the hospital for four days. When we checked in the hospital, it was actually the very night we were getting packed to leave to come home. There was a couple over there named Charlie and Karen Bias. They'd been missionaries a number of years over there in Sri Lanka. Good people. Karen is a, a nurse, not practicing over there, but is a nurse. And so <clears throat> they're going to take us to the airport that night. My wife is laying on the bed so sick she can't, but she's determined she's going to get on an airplane. So the knock comes on the door, and it's Karen Charlie Vice. And Karen, being a nurse, is in nurse mode immediately. She's laying on the bed. She goes over there. She sat on the end of the bed, talks, asked a couple questions, said, Virginia, you're not getting on that airplane. Virginia said, I've got to get on that. She said, you are not getting on that airplane. Charles, get over here and talk to your wife. Your wife is sick. She is not getting on the airplane. I said, honey, listen to, listen to Karen. So she did. So rather than get an ambulance, we were able to get her into a van, and we went to the best hospital we could find. <clears throat> they put her immediately in an emergency, and I was told that I had to pay for a room before we could do anything else. So I went over to where you pay a room, and, and uh, Charlie said, now, Brother Elliot, he said, you're going to decide what kind of room you want. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you can put her out in the hall with everybody else. That'll be pretty cheap. Or he said, you can put her room with 50, or you can put her room with 20, or you can put her room with four, you can put her room with two, or you can go to the penthouse. I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, but you got to decide that when we get up there. And as we're walking up, he said, I'd get the penthouse. I'm thinking, yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> so we go up there, and he looks down the list, and he said, uh, let's just start with a penthouse. Do you think you'd like to have it? And I said, Charlie, how much is that? He's gonna, he said, it's going to be $35 a night. <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah, it'll have two bedrooms and a living room. I said, serious? for thirty? Yeah, he said, it will. So I said, I think I'll take the penthouse. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I, we get up there and we put Virginia in a room. There's a little living room over here, and there's a bedroom for me. So I'm thanking Sharon and Karen, and Karen said, what are you thanking me for? I'm not leaving. And I said, oh, yeah, you are. I said, I'll stay with Virginia. He said, Charles, you didn't hear. I am not leaving. And Charlie said to me, better listen to Karen. <laughs> 
And I said, Karen, you can't do that. You have to couple of children. He said, Charles, you listen to me. I'm going to stay with Virginia, however long that takes. She stays in the bedroom. I go home. I'm not going to stay up there when she's up there. Charlie goes home, and they had a maid-type uh, person who could help with the children, so he was okay. Karen never left her side. Every time a nurse would come in, she said, what's that for? <laughs> Is that clean? Where are your gloves? You know, she would, that's the way she did, even doctors. And all the time my wife was ill, she held her head, put cold rags upon her, encouraged her and prayed with her, sang songs with her. I remember Charlie coming into the room in the living room one day and falling down. I thought it was his wife ill. And he started calling out to God out of his heart. Oh, God, you've got to touch Virginia. God, please. And he begged and he begged and he cried and he begged and he begged and he begged. After four days, they finally realized that they thought it was what a thing they over there called the dinghy, which is kind of like malaria. But they ruled it out and said she's very weak, but uh, if you can get the airline to get her home quickly, I think she can go. So at the end of the day, Karen standing at the bed, and I'm thanking them and telling Charlie and Karen, I said, guys, in all of eternity, I can't thank you. There's not enough. There's no words, and I'm crying. Virginia's too. They said you don't miss anything. I said you don't even hardly know who we are. And they said, "You're a brother and sister in Christ, and that's what we do." And she walked out, and he walked out holding her hand. And Virginia and I just stood there, and there was just a sweet fragrance all over that hospital room. And she looks up to me and said, can you believe it? That's Christianity. Last, some thorns obligate us to God. There are some thorns that come in our life, it'll crush you and grind you to powder. If God doesn't take over, in trouble. We don't like to think about that, but that's true. There are some thorns we can't carry. They're so big that if we don't, something's going to happen. I could tell you stories overseas of people that's happened to that if that if God doesn't move in, they're through. David said in the fifty fifth Psalm. Starting verse about verse 6, oh, if I was a bird, I'd fly away. You ever feel like that? All the problems and the woes of life, he said, oh, if I could just get away. That's what the flesh always wants, isn't it? Get me off this. Get rid of this. Let me flee away. Let me go somewhere. There's only one problem. When you get there, the male's going to come there, too. Irma Bombeck said if the grass is growing greener on the other side of the fence, it's because it's growing over a septic tank. (laughs) That's true, isn't it? 
You can't flee away. So David goes on to verse 22 and listen to what he says. Okay, I got it now. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. There's sometimes we have to take that thing. And, you know, the problem with us is we cast it and then we slip back at night and pick it back up again. Rather than cast it on the Lord and let God do it. I've often thought of, many of you knew Dr. James Sewell. Do you remember him? You knew him, Brother Bob, and some of you. Did you know what happened to his wife running over their baby and killing that baby? Can you imagine a mother backing over their own baby and killing it? Mama, would that be a burden you couldn't carry? Can you imagine? But out of their life, came a testimony, a sweet testimony that swept through Baptist Bible College and everywhere else, how God sustained them in the deepest, darkest part of their life. And out of them, they developed a ministry that if they heard of anybody else, no matter where it was, that with the same problem, they would get on an airplane and they would be there. It's amazing, isn't it? Sometimes in our lives, God wants us to be the, he wants to be the pillow we lay on and cry. Sometimes he wants us to be the cave we hide in when the wind's heavy. Martha Snail Nicholson said, God never gives a thorn without his grace. And he takes the thorn and moves the veil from off his face. Isn't that amazing? And we see him like we've never seen him before because of the thorn. And when it happens, it bears a sweet fragrance. I'll tell you this story, and I'm at the end. Her name is Lakshmi Leonidji. She's a Tamil Sri Lankan. That's a dark-skinned Sri Lankan. One of the most godly ladies you will ever meet in your life. She has a, a husband who is the chief airline for Etihad Airlines, which is out of Abu Dhabi in the Emirates. So he's a high-powered, arrogant lawyer. He is a total Buddhist, hates Christianity, and gives nothing but grief to her life. Threatens her with everything under the sun. She had two daughters, Vindi and Darshini. Vindi, the older one. Vindi and Darshini were in a service one night on a Wednesday night when their dad was in Abu Dhabi. So they, then they were left in Sri Lanka so she could even come to church to bring her two daughters. The invitation, Lakshmi come up and said... Uh, Darshini wants to talk to you about getting saved. I said, tell her we'll go to the office. She said, I'd like you to talk to Vindy too. Now, Vindy's the older one. So we go into the pastor's office, and we sit and talk for a little while. And I ask him if they want to come to Christ, and Vindy said, no, not today. And I said, what about you, Darshini? And uh, so I took the scriptures, and as we always do, and she is very sincere. And and wept and received Jesus. And I turned again to Vindy and I said, Vindy, would you, 
would you like to trust Christ today? She said, not today, sir. And so we left. Two years later, Vindy threw herself in front of a train and killed herself. The news comes back to Lakshmi, her mama. Her husband hears it and blames her and says it's because of Christianity. And she walks into church with one of the sweetest spirits you would ever know. To this day, I don't know how she does it. But she brought into that church service that next Sunday a heartache, yeah, but there was such a sweet spirit. And she gave a testimony of the goodness of God and the wonder of Jesus and how wonderful it was and how he was more real today than he'd ever been in his life. See, that's Jesus because he had a thorn too, didn't he? They put a crown of thorn on his head and chimed it down inside of him and hung him on the cross and said, they'll do that. But he didn't do that, did he? He died and made something wonderful out of it. And he took those thorns and bore it so you and I could have a life we could not imagine and the wonder of him. And he says to you and me, when you walk on this earth, you're going to admit a spirit. When you came in here tonight, you brought a spirit with you. I am convinced of this, Pastor. A lot of our problems in our churches is what we brought into the auditorium. When there's an aura in everybody, in every one of us, we bring an aura into that building. If you've had a bunch of fights at the family, you're going to bring that in. If you've had this and that, you're going to bring that in. And we wonder why God isn't working. And we wonder why nothing's happening. And God said, I didn't just save you. I give you victory. I can come into your life and take the deepest wounds of your life and turn it into something glorious. I can take what looks to you like something that is crazy and I don't want, and I can turn it into something for my glory. And something that will issue out of your life a victory if you let do it tonight. And I look around and I wonder today, you know, we're preaching a lot of exhortation messages. And, and maybe this sounds like a crazy message to be bringing on a Sunday night. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. People need to see Christians who emit a sweet spirit. And admit the joy of God. And no matter what it is in our life, they can say, God is so good. God is precious. And I love him. And So I just ask you where you are tonight. You know where you've been in the last few weeks in your heart, in your life, personally, in your, in your marriage, or wherever you want it to be. I'm not here to pick on anybody. But I truly believe that that thorn on the rose is there to help it make a sweet fragrance. Though I don't understand that. I also don't understand sometimes difficulties doing that. But somehow God can take it and use it. And I hope tonight if, if you're here and you've got a heavy burden on you, and there probably you do, 
that you could just find a place to nestle down before God and say, God, it's okay. You're God and you're omniscient, you're kind and you're good. And I want to see you glorified this. And I want you to see you honored this. And I want my life to bear sweet fragrance. I want it to happen. It's a choice. But we make it. Let's stand together quietly. Would you join me in prayer? Father, tonight I... uh, It seems like we live in a world, Lord, where Christ is his words. The life of your love and flowing through us is not there. That we're preoccupied with the wrong things in this world. We're preoccupied with our own woes and we all have them Lord and none of us can go through them and can't say we don't feel them but Lord pray in Nixa there could be some folk that out of their difficulties maybe they're widowed now or or a widower and maybe they can't walk very good and, and maybe they're even young and going through some trials but they could emit a sweet spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ that just kind of wafts out amongst people as they get to know them. And that wafting out of that sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ could bring people to himself. Lord, I just know you love us. You never allow anything in our life that isn't for your glory that you don't know about that you don't know the end of. And so I just ask you to speak to our hearts tonight that, Lord, we'd be a testimony wherever we go, a praising people, a people that emit the love of Christ and the joy of Christ in our life, wherever we go, to be a witness to the wonder of who you are. And we'll thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Preacher, you come and do what you want tonight.